hey, yeah. She said, orale, yeah. There are tons of cholos in La Puente, and uh, I wasn't maybe necessarily one, but all my friends were, were, were gangsters. And uh, in second grade, they taught you things like this. They, they gave you like five options for what you could be for the rest of your life. Do they do that in Glendora as well? You get to be a cop, right? Anybody or a teacher or a businessman or a principal or a secretary or something like that. Or if you're really crazy, a doctor or a lawyer, maybe like that in Glendora, but definitely not in, in La Puente. And so it was, it was career day and I was so excited because I've known what I've always wanted to be. See, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know Jesus till about 15, but this was second grade and I already knew. Did you guys know this, that Jesus knew from the very beginning I mean, before we were in our mother's wombs, he had already everything planned out. Thank God he didn't procrastinate, right? <laughs> so here I am, second grade, didn't know Jesus at that time, but they asked career day, hey, what do you want to be? And so the first person goes up, and he's like, I want to be a cop, and everybody's like, yeah, they're all fired up, right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. And then another person went up, and another person went up, and these people kept going, and I would realized they hadn't chosen what I wanted to be. And have you ever had that moment where you're like, I'm going to kill it. Like, I'm just going to go up there. Nobody's got mine. And you're like hoping that they don't get what you were going to be because you wanted to be the only one. Am I the only one in this place that thinks like that? Okay, good. Because I just want you guys to know just two things that the Bible says. Number one, disobedient people go to hell and liars do as well. So is there anybody in this place? That would be honest and say, okay, thank you. We've got a place in heaven, a place in heaven, and a place in heaven just opened up. Oh, dear God, we're going to have fun. So we go up, and I'll never forget, there was, this, there was this girl. Remember, I'm in second grade. There's this girl, hair parted, everything, had the nice line. Second grade, and this girl comes up, and this girl says, I want to be a teacher. And, you know, we had to draw this little thing, and then we had to do, like, one little sentence. And she probably said something like, when I grow up, I want to be a teacher. And the teacher in the back was like, oh, yes. Ah, she was all fired up. And I was fired up because my last name is Garcia, and I was next. Well, if you're in the hood, you know everybody's last name is Garcia, right? But <laughs> I knew I was next because I always stand behind her in the lunch line. So I go up. Oh, God. And I, and I just strut up there. I am so super excited. I go up and I walk up and I have my little thing here and I looked at the class and I said, when I grow up, I want to be a bird. <laughs> Had a picture of a bird. Drew a picture of a bird. No, family, listen, when I said I wanted to be a bird, everybody exploded. Boom! They were like, yeah, they started banging on the desk. Like, I had to wait. I had to pause to wait. You know, they were like, oh, yeah, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I just, the bird was there, and I, the teacher in the back, she started. She was angry. This woman was angry, and the kids were just, they wouldn't stop, you know? And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, stop, okay, just stop, you know, please. And I, I, my sentence was this. I, when I grow up, I want to be a bird because I want to fly. Like, I, I've just always wanted to fly. And so I sit down, and everybody's like, ah, you hear the whispering and the murmuring, right? And the teacher has to go with that little ruler. Okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but she's like, class, class, you know, everybody's all excited. And they were telling me, like, hey, I wish I would have chosen that. I wish I would have chosen that. 
the teacher, I'll never forget her, Miss McCullough. If she's in here, I'm sorry. Miss McCullough. <laughs> she says, Arthur, because that's what teachers call you, your full name when they're upset, like moms, I guess. Sir. Come back here. So I'm all excited. I'm thinking, dear God, she's just going to give me an A right now. Like she's not grading anybody. I really thought this. She's going to give me a smiley face. I'm going to put a, I'm going to go home. My parents are going to take me to Target because we didn't have money. But we knew that at Target, you can buy NBA Jam. Anybody know? I mean, Super Nintendo, back in the day, I was like, this was so good. My parents are going to buy me a video game because I had one, right? We didn't have money. And so I go to the back, and she says, here, take this home and show your parents. So I'm like, incredible. She wrote them a note. This is the greatest day. So when you grow up with not a lot and you grow up in the hood, you hold on to everything inside of your pocket. So I literally held that note, folded it, and didn't play, I didn't go through recess because I didn't want anything to happen to that note. So I get home. I call my mom. I call my dad. They said, how'd it go? How'd it go? I said, this was incredible. It was incredible. You should have seen what the class is. Oh, I'm so proud of you, mijo. Like, my mom's all excited. So they come home late that night. I got it there. My dad sits there across from the table because, remember, I have a note. My mom sits across the table. I sit there. I hand him the note. And immediately, my dad opens up the note and goes like this. <laughs> and I begin to feel my heart like, what, what, do you, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Right? I'm thinking, what do you mean? It was supposed to be, yeah, boy, I'm proud. No. And then he wasn't expecting that in my mind. And then my dad says, boy, I've got some bad news for you. And I'm thinking, bad news? This was the greatest day of my life. How could, what, what, what do you think? Dad, what do you, did you know what happened? You weren't there. And he tells me. Boy, when you grow up, you can't be a bird. <laughs> and as my heart began to shatter in 10,000 pieces, my mom immediately said, but you can still fly. And she, she, my mom saved my heart. She saved my dreams from a whole lot of things. I stand before you never knowing what flying was like, but I stand before you telling you and, and thanking you for the great honor of being able to share the gospel of Jesus Christ because this is what I consider flying. So thank you so much. I believe that when we are doing exactly what we're born to do, we all fly. So today, I, I want to go a little bit off script. And if this is Pastor church, then I think you guys will be okay with that. And if you're not, I'm only going to speak for a few more minutes, okay? I'm not going to preach long, but I'm going to preach strong. Are you okay with that? Three people. Thank you. Glory to God. I have a beautiful wife. She is hot. She is gorgeous. And she is Mexican. I love me a brown woman. I'm married up. I'll tell you the truth. I always want, I wanted a strong woman who can cook and who can just love me. I call her mama because she loves me like a mama. Here's a brown thing, okay? But hey, listen, this is what I want you guys to know. We have been married for over 11 years, but, but nine of those were happily is there anybody who could be honest in this place? Only nine of those years were happily. And those first two years, my God, my God, God, will you save me? Uh, it was just, we were three days away from a divorce. It was, it, was, it, was, it was some of the hardest time in my life. And there, there came a moment in our marriage, and this breaks my heart still to even share, where we changed from lovers to roommates. Yeah. 
we became roommates. Something scary happened during that time. We just became like roommates. We didn't fight. Everything was good. Everything was, our default was good. That was our default. And during that time, God wanted to do something very special in our life. I trusted my wife with everything. My wife was extremely safe. Can you say safe? She was extremely safe. And I thought my entire life I wanted safe. I never understood what the purpose of safety was. I always thought safe was for safe. I always thought that safe was for good. But my wife and I had a very dangerous conversation one night after God gave me a dream about what was going on with us. And I realized something from Jesus. I realized the purpose of safety, and I believe that God has a word for you guys today. I believe that God has a word for Thrive Church today. I believe that God has a word for the people of Thrive Church today. And the purpose and the word is this, that God has created safety so that we can be dangerous. Three people. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. See, because when we were safe, we thought we wanted safe for safe. But safe was always meant to be dangerous. Let me just keep on preaching. See, because I told her, I told her this, babe, I trust you so much and I'm so safe with you. I feel like I can tell you this. I don't like this about you. Yeah, 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 right? That's dangerous. You're like, man, you went there. I mean, it was all love and it was all good. And she came back and she said, babe, thank you for telling me that. I was like, ooh, you woman, you are, ooh, I love you right now. And she came back and she's like, I got something to tell you. <laughs> so, baby, baby, just do it soft, okay? And she said, but, but I don't like when you do this. And when you do this, this annoys me. And <laughs> let's walk through baby steps. And we began to have the most dangerous, are there any married people in here who've had a dangerous conversation and it created a pivot in our marriage? There was a pivot in our marriage once the danger came out. And I am convinced that Thrive Church will never reach its full potential until Thrive Church learns to become dangerous. Safety is how it starts, and danger is how it ends. I am convinced that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most dangerous thing on earth. That the gospel is supposed to bring safety, but the purpose of the safety is so that we can be dangerous. If we're just living a life of safety, then we aren't living the gospel at all. See, because you can be married, but marriage was never meant to feel like a roommate. So in other words, you can be in church and enjoy the safety, but if you're never dangerous, you'll never be living out the gospel. Now, church, listen, church, church, can I call you church? Can I call you family? Can I call us togetherness? Okay, togetherness. Listen, there is crisis on the earth. Can somebody say amen? 
Isn't that the truth? I mean, not just Vegas. I mean, we could list several things that are going down on the earth. I want to share with you a little bit about how God works through crisis. Because anytime there is crisis here on earth, it demands a supernatural response from heaven. Can I say that again? Anytime there's crisis here on earth, it demands a supernatural response from heaven. And anytime there is crisis in the church, it causes for a supernatural demand from heaven. Look, right out of the gate in Acts 4, they go, the church just started. And all of a sudden, they're trying to kill the church. Can I tell you what that is? Crisis. And can I tell you what that is? It's dangerous. Literally, all of the government gets together and they get Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 and they begin to tell them, what are you doing? They said, what is this you preach in the name of? What do you preach in the name of Jesus? And they're like, look, you can no longer preach in the name of Jesus. We won't let you do it. We won't let you preach in that name anymore. But yet they just healed the guy in Jesus' name. And here's what they said. They laid hands on him. Not the church kind of way. The world kind of way. They roughed him up a little bit. Hey, guys, is that dangerous? They roughed him up a little bit. And they literally told them, if you continue to use that name, Jesus will kill you. You, you know what they did? You know what? God bless you. You know what they did? They did this in church. They all got together. They immediately left. They went with their church, and the Bible says this, in one accord, they began to pray. This is crazy because this is danger. They're, they're, this is now their life. This is now their life. And what happens is they go back, and their prayer went something like this. O God of the universe, O creator of the universe, the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in it. It don't get any bigger than that. Because when you're, when you're in the middle of danger, you pray, a little bit, you pray a little bit big, don't you? You pray a little different. Have you ever been in, a, in the middle of a danger or in a great need and you're just like, oh, God, I need a miracle? You, you can't even articulate. you just like, oh, God, just do something big because you're big. I need something. You don't even know how to, how to work it out. So they begin to pray the biggest prayer that they can pray. All in one accord. And here's what they prayed. They prayed this gangster prayer. Sorry, a lot of point that comes out. They prayed this gangster prayer, and here's what they said. Oh, God, you see them, and you see us. And here's what they pray. ART version. I know this is dangerous. Don't stop the danger. Give us boldness. Give us boldness so that we can be dangerous in this situation. You know how crazy that is? Man, I often wonder how many times we get it wrong as a church. Keep us safe. Will you remove them? Take them out, oh God. Scatter your enemies, oh God. <laughs> remove thus people. <laughs> we, just, we begin to pray these prayers where we're trying to bring safety where God's called us to be dangerous. This is interesting. So here's how God responds. I love this. Oh, I love this. Acts chapter 4. I wish these were in my notes, but somebody told me to be preach dangerous, so I am. So I'm off notes a little bit. They prayed. Remember how they prayed? The biggest prayer. Heavens, creator of the heavens and the earth. 
God responds before he ever says a word in Acts chapter 4. You know what he does? The place that they were shook. It started shaking. In other words, the measure of your faith will determine the size of your victory. Let me say it again. The measure of their faith was, God, you're the creator of heavens and the earth. The measure of their faith was creator of all. And the size of their victory is this. When God answered their prayer, he didn't say nothing. He shook. He answered by shaking. I said he answered by responding. And the entire earth shook because the level of their faith was there. Now, what's interesting is this. You fast forward a little bit. Now I'll get onto my notes. Now we go ahead and start the timer now. Now I'll start to, you know, you just. <laughs> Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. <laughs> I mean, th this is just a few chapters later. And here's what he says. Now Saul was consenting to his death at, oh, let me read from the big Bible. Hey, let me read from the big Bible. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great, somebody read that next word for me. It's a dangerous time. There's a dangerous time again, and we're still in Acts, and we're always preaching. We need to be like the book of Acts. We need to be like the book of Do you know what you're asking for? You know, do you know this is persecution? He just ordered his execution. This is dangerous. We, we want to be like the book of Acts. Really? That's some scary stuff, church family. There was a great persecution. You know the Bible don't exaggerate, so when it says great persecution... It means great persecution <laughs> against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout. That's some pretty great persecution. When scattering happens, it's pretty incredible. But, but watch what happens. I love this in verse 7. Verse 7 from the Big Bible says this, For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. Out of great persecution, great miracles occurred. If we want to be safe, locked up in our rooms, quiet, watching TBN or whatever it is, listening to a podcast and say, this is not our time to go out there, then we're going to miss chapter se uh, verse 7 and verse 8. In other words, we're going to miss our role. We, we will miss our role. It is safe to pray in church. It is dangerous to pray over somebody outside of church. We are one prayer away from a miracle. Verse, verse that paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was, <laughs> you see, it went, from, it went from great persecution to great joy. But the church brought the great joy. I wish somebody would pick up what I'm trying to put down. There was much joy in that city. Do you know where the joy came from? The dangerous people. The dangerous people came on out and said, you lame person, get up. You blind person, you deaf person. All of a sudden, the, we, you, know what they, you know what the church was back then? First responders. They were, they, I, mean, I mean, here we are praying for first responders, and here we are called to be first responders. And once the church became first responders, there was much joy in that city. Maybe there is not joy in your city. Maybe I shouldn't go there. <laughs> Pastor Barry might be upset. <laughs> he told me to preach dangerous. 
he said this. Thank you so much. I was just waiting for permission. Maybe there's not great joy in your city because you're not in your city. Maybe because you miss your opportunity at Starbucks or Vons or Stater Brothers or Blockbuster. That was a joke. Or wherever. <laughs> maybe because you see the lame or the hurt or whatever it is, and maybe you choose to walk on the other side of the street. Or maybe because you decide that, oh, you know what I'll do? I'll invite them to church instead of be the church. Can I tell you what happens when we just invite people to church? Can I give you a picture? Thank you. Picture a lifeguard. He's got his little life-floating guard thing, right? He's there on the side, dry, good, and somebody's drowning. And the lifeguard says this. Come on! Come on, I believe in you! Come on, come to the side! I'm right here! I Hold on to this! I'm right here! Just come to me. If you come to my church, you'll be saved! Come on! Look, don't you know? I know how to save! We invite people who are dying and drowning and struggling and hurting and to church and we're supposed to jump in be the church and rescue them it's so interesting that we think that the church happens only in here but in the book of acts all of that good stuff see there wasn't much joy in that church but sometimes we read that scripture like that okay let me keep going you guys are giving me looks like now, here's, here's another funny thing. I love the Bible. The Bible is hysterical. The Bible frustrates me. The Bible gets me angry. There are certain scriptures in the Bible I just don't like. Can I just be honest? Can, can I just be honest? I, there's just some things I'm like, no, Jesus, I don't want that in there. I want to love my neighbor. He parked on, you know, there's just certain, just, I'm, I'm a work in progress. I'm a whip. <clears throat> I, I, I'm going to close with this. I don't know how much time I have. That's dangerous in here, by the way. Listen. I just want to close with these, the first three people that were saved outside of Jerusalem. In other words, the Gentiles. So just, just, that's it. Just, just to just continue on this dangerous gospel thing. The first three people. All right. Simon. We're still in that, we're still in this chapter. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's go down a little bit. Verse 9. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic. Ooh, can we even say that in church? Because sometimes we hear the word magic and we immediately want to say, stay away from them. Am I like, got quiet. Am I like, am I, am I like, we, we sometimes want to say like, oh no, that's the devil's work. <laughs> well, if it's the devil's work, we should run to that work. This is the first, this is the first, this is the first, let me read from the big Bible. Man named Simon, who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. Now, what's interesting in verse 13, it says this, even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. In other words, Simon got saved. How are they going to hear without a preacher? Is what the Bible tells us. Si Simon got saved. L let me give you the ART version. 
a wizard, a wizard got saved. Am I lying? Am I making this up? I ain't trying to go into that lake, okay? I don't like no lakes. We know there's a lake for liars. Guys, a tarot card reader, a palm reader, was the first dude to get saved outside of Jerusalem. The first one, which means this. This is how the church started. Oh, my goodness. What have we become? Can I tell you what we've become? Comfortable in our safe. Oh, let me try this. I said, we've we've, we've become comfortable in our safe. But they came out the gate and wizard Simon, tarot card reading. Simon was the first dude out of the gate who got saved. Good golly, Bob. Jesus, I've got a problem with that. He's on the wrong team, Jesus. Did you know that Jesus wants one team? Sometimes we're like, y'all stay over there. You stay on your bench, Simon. All right, let's check it out. The second dude. Let's see. Let's see the second. Oh, it gets better. This is so. I love my Jesus, and I love. Watch the second. The second. The second person is my favorite. Watch, verse verse twenty six. We're in the same chapter, by the way. The city that had great joy. I mean, you okay? Watch verse twenty six. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, "Arise and go towards the south along the road which down from Jerusalem to God." This is. Okay, watch. <laughs> Jerusalem to Gaza, they're no longer in the safe town. They're outside the walls. They're, okay. This is a desert place. That's so Christianese. Isn't that? Thank God the desert is behind us. <laughs> and they're over there going into the... And he rose, thank you. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian a eunuch. That's where we're supposed to be laughing. Because we know who's next, church. An Ethiopian eunuch. Do you know what that means? No, no, no. Let me teach for those people who do not know the second person that got saved. This is a man. Time out. This was a man. This is a, this is a person. This is a man who to serve the king, he was so loyal, he would... He would get his man part chopped off. I'm not lying. This is the Bible. You can use Google to look it up. They would chop his man parts, his private parts, gone. You know the next guy who got saved was a person with issues with his sexual orientation. Second person to get saved was somebody who didn't know anymore if he was a man or I'm I'm not making this up, church. Church, I promise you, read the big Bible. The big Bible don't lie. <laughs> Growing up Catholic, we had a big Bible on our coffee table with a picture of Jesus himself. <laughs> What's interesting is this eunuch was very loyal, so loyal he was risking, he was willing to risk his identity. He was willing to risk his future. Transgender? Should no longer even be a topic if we read Acts chapter 8. The second 
The first person was a tarot card reader and a wizard. The second person didn't know what he was. He just had his manhood chopped off. This isn't a fairy tale, church. This is the truth. This Ethiopian dude, he was a minority. His sexual orientation was now in question. What was he? So if this is how the church started, and we, in our minds, struggle with who we should be ministering to and who we shouldn't be ministering to, maybe we like comfort and safety more than we like the true gospel. Because this is dangerous. This is, this is, this is the gospel. This is Acts chapter 8. This is how it started. Family, Paul ain't even on the scene yet. This is the be. Okay, y'all looking at me like, mm. all right, third. Let's go to the third. Can I keep going? Can I keep going, you guys in the back? Is that okay? Okay, I'm making sure nobody's asleep over there. Glory to God. I'm going to fly my way out of here in just a quick second, okay? Let's keep going to the third dude. Thank you. The third dude who was saved. Uh, keys, you can come on up. Just keys, just keys. You can come on. Whoever's playing keys, you killed it, by the way. Can we give it up for our keys player? Thank you so much. Oh, come on, church. Can we give her a dangerous clap? Good night. And she's a teacher. That means you're held doubly accountable, just like me. Watch this. It keeps on going now. Now the, now the chapter is next, but the plan is still moving forward. Watch this. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Watch. This is crazy. Big Bible. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Let me read it to you. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. I love how God just throws at it. Aren't there just certain sounds that just kind of make you feel like you're in a jacuzzi? Just like, ah. Uh. Am I the only one? Or are you guys just excited that the keys are up because you know that means we're about to end? <laughs> now, now, I love the constant reminder from the Holy Ghost telling us, yeah, the city is still still excited and they're, and they're full of joy and, and people are getting excited, but guess what? It's still super dangerous. Like, isn't that interesting how the Bible just keeps throwing that in there? Because sometimes we think, people are getting saved, hallelujah, revival, and everything's good and everything's safe again. And it's, no, 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 but you keep going and it's like, no, it's still dangerous. No, they still want to put a cap in you. No, they still want to, you know, they, they still want to end your life. Don't get too far out of yourself. Because sometimes we think one salvation means the whole city is saved. But Saul, somebody say, but Saul. See, scripture just brought that in there to just say, but wake up. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest 
and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether man or woman, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. The third person that was saved was a terrorist. It's a murderer. <laughs> and Saul became Paul shortly after this. So the first guy was a wizard and a tarot card reader and a palm guy. The second person was an Ethiopian eunuch who was having some sexual orientation issues, some identity crisis. The third guy was a terrorist. <laughs> Church, this is hysterical. <laughs> the first three people say, thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. I think this is funny. These are the if if our church is not filled up with people like this, I'm wondering if we're only going after the safe people. The Bible out of the gate, the church out of the gate went after the dangerous people. I want to end with this. Jesus meets this woman at the well, <laughs> and this woman was crazy they have this interaction jesus goes and tells this 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 blew my theology away see because i always thought jesus made food right like he just created food like what do you want lobster boom what do you want fish boom what do you want bread what do you want right and then one day i read in 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 john chapter four that jesus sent his disciples to go buy food i was like man even god buys food i'd i'd always wonder where food came anyways tangent so here's the thing so he goes and sends his disciples he goes to this woman at the well right, the Samaritan, who he's not supposed to be talking to, and she begins to tell him, don't talk to me, like you're, I'm not worthy to be talked to, he begins to tell her, hey, will you go tell your husband, here's a trick question, hey, will you go tell your husband, and she's like, I don't got a husband, and he's like, that's right, you ain't got a husband, you've had five, and the person you're sleeping with right now, he ain't even your husband, and she's like, oh my, you must be a prophet, right, and then his disciples come back, she leaves the city, the disciples come, and the disciples marveled, scripture says, they marveled that he talked to her. They were surprised that Jesus talked to somebody that everybody else didn't deem worthy of being talked to. They marveled. It wasn't surprised. They were marveled. And then Jesus says this scripture. I love this in John I'm ending. In John uh, chapter 4, verse 32. Uh, 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. Verse 32. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. Verse 33. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What's interesting is Jesus likens the will of God to food. In other words, 
the disciples marveled at his appetite. And Jesus said, this woman right here, the things that she's gone through, the way people look at her, the way she's been treated, yeah, this is my appetite. What if, church, today, God is saying this, we need to change our appetite. See, later on, if you keep on reading, already one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit. Oh, he says this. Oh, go back. I'm sorry. Go back. He says this. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Somebody needs to hear this. But your harvest is tied to your appetite. Maybe we're only reaping what we're hungry for. Maybe that's why we all look the same. It's interesting that we're not all called to look the same. Will you guys stand to your feet, please? Worship team, will you come forward? Whatever you're hungry for, you better be prepared to harvest. Because Jesus was hungry for a woman who was depressed, for a woman who was isolated, for a woman who was outcast. He was hungry for that. And guess what? He reaped a whole city because our harvest is tied to our appetite. Church, I'm wondering if God today is saying this, could we be dangerous with our appetite? Would we be willing to leave that safe zone? Would we be open to God saying, I've asked, I put safety in your life so that you can be dangerous. Church, right where you're at, would you close your eyes for a quick second? Hey, if you're in this place today and you have realized I have been too safe, I have perverted what God has meant for safety. I have perverted it. I have, I have built my home on safety. But if today you're saying, God, I hear you calling me to be dangerous. I hear you calling me to step out. I hear you calling me to go after the tarot card reader, to go after the magician, to go after the terrorist, to go after the one who's having sexual identity crisis. I hear you, God. I see what you're doing. Hey, if you feel like there's some kind of stir inside of you, right where you're at, will you just lift your hands and say, God, will you make me a little dangerous? Will you show me how to be dangerous? Just, just right where you're at. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to be dangerous. For those of you guys raising your hand, I'm going to ask you to be dangerous. Will you come forward? Just come forward. I want you to be dangerous. Because if we can't even be dangerous in church, then how are we going to be dangerous outside of church? I'm convinced that God is asking Thrive Church to begin to be dangerous, to begin to see dangerous, to begin to have an appetite for danger. And I'm convinced that when we go out and we are dangerous, we see the greatest things that God has to offer. Will you guys link hands, those of you dangerous people up here? I believe this is a pivot moment, just like it was for our marriage. Just, just, just like when my wife and I had that dangerous conversation. We've never gone back to being roommates, and we never will, because we're more dangerous than ever. 
Now I get to tell her, yeah, sweetheart, I don't like. And we have, we know that it is, there is great benefit that comes with being dangerous. And I come here as a guest speaker today to tell you this, that God has a message to tell you there is great reward in being dangerous. Great reward. So here's what we're going to do. The worship team is going to sing a really good song right now, or maybe just a chorus. And it's going to be so great. But here's what we're going to do. That person that you're linked up with, I want you to pray the most dangerous, non-scripted prayer that you've ever prayed in your life. You remember when the disciples said, oh, creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in it. And God responded that you're skippy right. And he shook it. I want God to shake the person to the right of you. Just 30 seconds. Just pray over them for 30 seconds, and I'll count it down. But get ready for a dangerous prayer for the person to the right, and then we're going to do it for the person on the right. Are you ready, church? Hey, if you're standing back there, will you just reach your hands towards the people in the front? Come on, church. Let's, have, let's be the church and pray a dangerous prayer for the next 30 seconds. Just squeeze their hand and let them know you're coming. Just squeeze their hand right now and let them know you're coming with something dangerous. Ready? Come on, church. Be bold. Set. Let's go, church. And go. Come on. All over this place. Out loud. Front to back and left to right. Pray a dangerous prayer for the person to the right of you. Come on, just 25 more seconds. Come on, church. Just 20 more seconds. Come on, church. Come on, church. Let's be dangerous in these walls. Just 15 more seconds. 15 more seconds. Pray a dangerous, bold prayer. And let's see what God will do. Just 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Five seconds. Five seconds. Come on. Five seconds. In Jesus' name. All right, squeeze that person to the left. Squeeze that person to the left. Uh, You're warmed up now. This person on the left should get a better one. You already know what sounds good and what hit and what didn't, okay? Person to the left. Can can, can I even say something dangerous? Will you give them a Acts 6 kind of prayer? Oh, oh God. May they cross paths with a... I'm I'm going to pray a dangerous one. With a mean boss. Let's start there. With a mean boss. With an angry neighbor. Let's begin to pray a dangerous prayer on the count of three for the person on the left. Let's be bold. Ready, set, and go. Come on, just 30 seconds. Come on, church. Just 30 seconds. Out loud. Out loud. Come on. Let's pray. Just 20 more seconds. Come on, church. Just 15 more seconds. Oh. Let's be bold, church. Let's be bold. Just 10 more seconds. This prayer can change the future. This prayer can change the direction. This prayer can change the trajectory of their lives. Just five more seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. He's bringing hope to the whole. Come on, church. Let's worship. Giving his heart to the broken. Come on. Sharing his home with the orphan. He is a joy, he is my joy, he is a hope to the Come nations. on, let's worship him dangerously. Father's heart we're embracing. He is a song we're declaring. He is a joy, he is my joy. He's bringing hope to the hopeless. That's us. And giving his heart to the broken. Sharing his home with the orphan. He is my joy, he is my joy, he is the home of the nations. 
that we are your daily delight, that we are your joy, oh God. I thank you, oh God. Father, we have joy in our safety. Now give us joy in our danger. Come on, come on. We thank you for the joy of the safety, but may we find joy in the danger. And just like you said in the book of Acts, and may this city, oh God, may the city of Glendora be everything that you dreamt it was supposed to be. May the city of Glendora be the very thing that you had hoped for. And may it be because of Thrive Church being dangerous. And may Thrive Church be the domino effect that brings great joy into this city. I declare blessing. I declare vision. I declare boldness. I declare a strategy. I declare a battle plan. I declare a marching order. I declare a warfare spirit. I declare a heart like David and a boldness like Daniel over the people in this congregation. Oh God, add to your church during this time as you did in the book of Acts. We love you, oh God, and we bless you. Oh, Thrive Church, and if you agree with that, in Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Guys, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's been an honor uh, to be able to be and bring a dangerous message to you guys. It really was. But isn't the Bible funny? <laughs> hey, before you leave, go ahead and keep playing those keys. It feels so good. Hey, before you leave, will you hug 30 people? Will you hug 30 people? Because let me tell you what that is. That is dangerous. And that is scary. But can I tell you what? This is a place where the Bible says where we get to equip. So let's start hugging 30 people we're familiar with. And then we'll stretch it out a little bit and begin to hug one person at a time that we're not familiar with. But let's start here. 30 people. I'm gonna, I want you to count them out loud. We know there's a lake. We know there's a lake and no one here is going there. Hey, I love you. God bless you. Thrive Church, have a wonderful day.